I've never seen the world. I've never seen the world the way I see it with you. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of Behind the Sounds. Uh, my guest today is the amazing Alex Hall, who has just released his brand new EP, Six Strings. Welcome. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Um, you've done pretty well. I mean, releasing your debut EP in the midst of a pandemic. Are you? <laughs> what's that been like? I'm assuming it's been a very busy few months. It has been a little a little crazy, especially from compared to where it all started. There was nothing going on. And mm -hmm. now there's so much going on, which is I'm very excited about. Um, it's been interesting because, you know, 2020 was supposed to be a year for me where I was going to be touring a lot and still going to be releasing music and working on music. But mm -hmm. it wasn't six strings was not even a, a thought in my mind. It didn't even exist. And uh, we were working on what was going to be my debut album instead. And then when everything kind of got put on hold, we started brainstorming what were we going to do and all this stuff. And then uh, we came up with six strings. And I'm so, so happy that we did because I think that it genuinely probably changed the path my career was going to even go. I, I've already been, I was writing these songs anyway, but the way we recorded the record, it came out way different than I was planning on recording my debut album. And so uh, I, I'm really excited about it, that it's yeah. out in the world. It's definitely, and it's it's so good, and it's had such great kind of feedback on on social media and everyone. And what's obviously, I'm assuming you kind of have plans to tour it. Are they all on hold at the moment? Have you got things <laughs> in the works? Oh yeah, I mean, we have we have one show here in June uh, that I'm really crossing my fingers for that I'm hoping it'll happen. If it's all obviously safe and able to happen and mm -hmm. such, but I definitely cannot wait to play this record live because I mean, there's songs like Jealous Love and a few of them that are really just. I wrote for them to be a live song and uh and so i can't wait to play this with the band and, and everything and uh, and just be in front of a crowd again i was actually uh hoping i was going to be coming to the uk to do c to c back in this march again yeah and, uh, and it clearly it didn't happen but yeah. next year i'm still next year we, next we're year. holding out hope <laughs> <laughs> um, we will we will definitely talk about the EP at length, but I kind of want to go back. I love to talk about people's musical beginnings and their influences, and I think you have such a kind of authenticity to your music and your your sound. So, where did that come from? What were your kind of influences growing up? Well, thank you very much. Uh, honestly, my first recollection of music that I that I have is Elvis Presley. I, I it's funny because I don't know where I found it. My parents aren't and weren't huge Elvis fans and, and no one was really listening to it. So I always jokingly say that like Elvis found me somehow and, and I'm so thankful that he did. And so that was my first thing. And so really growing up, it was, it was anything Elvis Presley or Sun Studios, which was like Johnny Cash and all that kind of stuff. And, and really traditional country music. That was what my, my parents and my dad specifically was always had on the radio or a cassette or CD later on or whatever it was. And, and uh, and then really like Southern rock bands like Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. That was primarily all that I listened to until I was about 15, 16 years old and started playing in bands and finding other music like John Mayer and Kings Leon and stuff. But that was much later in my life. So I, I really grew up listening to pretty traditional styled country music and uh, and Elvis. That was that was the main gist of what I, I was listening to all the time. Yeah, and when when was the first time you picked up a guitar? Because that's obviously a huge part of of the music you record now. What was it your is, first yeah. memory of that? 
so I got my very first guitar when I was five years old. There was one uh, music store at the time in my hometown that sold guitars, or, or you had to drive all the way to Atlanta, and which was about an hour away. And uh, and my parents took me. I just started kindergarten, and I didn't really know how to read or anything yet. And so they took me in to get my first guitar lesson. And the guy came back about five minutes later or so, and I was like, hey, he doesn't know how to read. Like, I can't teach him how to play. <laughs> and I was devastated and uh, put the guitar in the case and I didn't really touch it again until I was about 14 years old. And I was in a uh, a poetry class in middle school that I was forced to be into. And I didn't want to write poetry or do any of that kind of stuff. And my teacher knew that I loved to sing. And, and so she was like, if you love to sing, like poetry and songs are not much different. So why don't you try writing songs instead of poetry? And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so, uh, so I, I, took a stab at it and, and I really loved it. And, and I, I'm sure the songs were horrible, you know, for the first <laughs> couple of years, but at least, you know, it got me into it enough to know that there was something there that I really, really enjoyed. And, and so I, I kind of was like, well, if I'm going to be writing songs, I should probably play guitar so I can make music with the, with the words. And so I took lessons for about nine months and learned the chords and stuff when I was 14 and, and it was kind of all off from there. And, and, uh, and I mean, I would literally fall asleep with my guitar when I was, in bed and I would wake up an hour and a half before school and, and practice before school. And then when I was 15, I started playing shows. So I would literally like wake up, practice, go to school, have my guitar with me and then go play a show. My parents would drive me wherever I would go. Cause I couldn't drive yet and fall asleep with it. So, I mean, I just was obsessed with it. And, uh, I guess yeah. it, it's got me where I am now. <laughs> yeah, It's definitely paid off. <laughs> um, do you remember like, the kind of moment that you went from this is kind of fun I'm quite enjoying this to this is what I want to do you know this is the career yeah. I want to have was there a certain moment that sticks out where you were like yeah this is it this is going to be my career honestly I was 15 years old it was it was like May of 2009 I believe um so I, I was actually a month before I turned 15 years old and I made my very first trip to Nashville and, uh, and I think I had met with someone at BMI who was like a, our PRO here and, and, uh, and I took a meeting with her and, and that was really it. And so she was like, well, I'll set you up with some co-writes and see how it goes. And, and I thought that was just the, the biggest thing in the world. Cause I had heard like, well, this person got a record deal by meeting with them and all of this stuff. And so I just thought that was it. And, and it clearly was not, it took me <laughs> significantly longer from that point, but after that, I came back to Georgia and, and, and I started playing like wherever I could play, which was like little restaurants or then bars and then little festivals and then clubs and all of this stuff. And it grew from there. But I, I don't really feel like there was ever a moment where I just thought that I was going to be doing anything else. Because once I decided like it was music for me, I just I stuck with it because it just it was so, so natural and nothing else to me at that point in my life came naturally. It was like sports wasn't really something I was into. And I love I grew up riding horses and I grew up on a small horse farm and barrel racing and stuff. And I loved horses and I loved that lifestyle, but I knew that wasn't a career path for me. And, um, so when I found guitar and music and singing, it just all kind of clicked in uh, So I wouldn't say that there was a moment where I was like, all right, this is, this is going to be it. It just, it just was nothing else. Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that was, that was it. Yeah. And when did you, when did you, bite the bullet and make the move to Nashville? Cause you toured kind of while you were at school, right? I did. Yeah. I, so I, I started playing shows when I was 15 and, and those were like really small little local restaurant shows at that point and wherever I could play. And really around the time I was a junior in high school, I was about uh, probably 17 years old. 
um, I was doing about 150, 130, 150 shows a year mm-hmm. um, around the Southeast, and which was really a lot. It's just a lot of shows, and I was just exhausted, but I was still enjoying it. I was waking up and going to school and all this crazy stuff. And so I was already working with a few people in Nashville at that time. And so when I graduated high school in 2013, I graduated in May, and then I moved to Nashville March 1st the following year. So it was about nine months or so. Um, and I was 19 years old and I moved up here, had no money, had no nothing and found this really cheap place to live for a while. And, uh, and I would just, I wrote twice a day, every single day with whoever I could get set up with the writer. Then I would sneak into a bar and meet whoever I was meeting that <laughs> night. We would write the next day and all of that stuff. And then I just did that. And about a year later, I got my first publishing deal to get paid to write songs and yeah, that, that was kind of the start of it all. <laughs> yeah. And kind of fast forwarding a few years from that um, moment, obviously getting your publishing deal and then going on to get a record deal. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like obviously you worked so hard, but did it go really quickly or does it you do look back and you think, oh, my God, it was such a long time to get to that point? I would say it was kind of it depended on the day. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it, it was almost it's so funny because it was almost exactly uh it was, oh gosh, what was it? 2020. So it was almost six years, I think, to the day of me moving to Nashville or five years, I think maybe five or six years to the day of me moving to Nashville. Uh, when I got offered my record deal and it was almost 10 years to the month of me, uh, coming to town for the first time. So, I mean, it was 10 years of me playing for tips or nothing. I'll open up for people for free or whatever it was. And, countless drives back and forth to Nashville or Georgia and all this stuff. And so again, it just depended on the day. Sometimes it was like, gosh, I can't believe it's already been eight years that I've been doing this. And then some days it's like 10 years and I'm still trying to get this record deal. And it's like, what am I doing? I mean, before I got offered my deal in 2019, I was at a place where I was getting a new publishing deal and stuff, but I had kind of made the rounds around town to meet with people and done all the record deal meetings and, I just, it was either like, you weren't, you're not country enough or you're too country or whatever it was. It was always some reason why I wasn't quite there yet. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that I wasn't because I, I, looking back, I probably wasn't ready yet. And, uh, but, but it, 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 you know, I think everyone's journey takes time, but there is this like myth around town. It's like, it's a 10 year town and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it took me exactly 10 years to get my first record deal. So yeah. That's true to <laughs> I love that. And I think kind of looking back, because you were playing around and you were building up fans and things, did you feel like when you eventually kind of released your first singles and things that you had people in your corner? Or did you feel like a brand new artist? Because you'd built all these relationships and things. Mm-hmm. Was it quite a smooth transition or did it still feel like a massive jump? Um, I feel like the, really the only thing to me that was different was that I had more people to help me. Mm-hmm. do what I wanted to do and, and help my vision and my dreams come to light. I think that was really the biggest change because, again, I had already had a publishing deal for four years, so I'd been writing with everyone in town for the most part. And I, I had played countless shows and, and toured half the country already, and I, I really had gotten my roots planted. So, and, I, and honestly, again, I, I was so frustrated for the longest time of like, why is it taking me so long? Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, I'm so thankful that it took that long because I was, I feel like, ready when I got my record deal because I signed my record deal and within three months, 
we were already in the studio recording for like songs like half past you and whiskey on the table and stuff that that are out now but mm-hmm. like w- within three months we were already recording it and writing with people that I couldn't get in the room with prior, which was amazing, like Shane McAnally and Josh mm-hmm. Osborne and some of these amazing writers that I looked up to. And so that to me was like the biggest thing that changed was, uh, was just being able to just go. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and that was, and, and I'm still going, <laughs> we haven't really slowed down since. So it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. And so let's go back to that moment. So you signed your record deal, I should say three months you release half past you i have to give a shout out to my dear friend georgie because this song has been on every playlist we've sent to each other for the last That's two awesome. years um it's such a great track as you say you had shane with you um and your mm-hmm. other co-writers pete and aj who i know are really kind of dear friends of yours have been with you uh-huh. for the last few years talk me through the the background of that song because it's such a great tune well thank you uh it's funny because originally the very first song I was supposed to release uh, on Monument was a song called Other End of the Phone, which is on six strings now. Mm. Uh, but then we've recorded that song three different times and it finally made its way to six strings. But that was going to be the original song that we were going to release because it's what got me my record deal. That was the, the song that started it all for me. Mm-hmm. But Pete and AJ and I uh, started and, and finished Half Past You by ourselves. It was the three of us. And everyone flipped, everyone freaked out. And I was like, man, this song is really special. And Shane heard it. And uh, and he was like, it's a, an amazing song. You guys don't have to listen to me, but I think we need to rewrite the verses and keep the chorus as it is, the hook as it is, everything. But we need to rewrite the verses to make it just a little bit better. And so he came in and that was my first experience working with Shane at that point. And, uh, and I mean, within 20 minutes, we rewrote every single word to the verses. And, uh, and it's so much better for, for being that way. And so we kind of pivoted and that was the first release because it just felt so good. And, and I'm thankful that we did put that song out first because not long after that, I was on tour with Tanya Tucker for that whole fall and winter. And it was the first moment of my life where I would go out to these shows and these, in these venues where I had never been and people were singing the songs back to me and, and it was pretty cool. And so that's always going to be a, a special song to me just because it, it was my first release on a major label and and my first write with my hero Shane McAnally which was mm-hmm. just amazing so yeah yeah so if Shane McAnally tells you to rewrite the verses you rewrite the verses <laughs> Is that for the right? most part for the most part <laughs> I have I will say I have told him no once I, he wanted me to rewrite something one time and I told him no and, and it ended up working out in the better so <laughs> <laughs> and was he one of the people as you just have one of your heroes was it mm-hmm. like a bucket list moment being able to work with him Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've been a fan of him since before I even moved to town. And so, you know, he, I mean, he's genuinely one of the best songwriters of all time, not just Mm -hmm. this era or in country music. I mean, he is truly one of the best of all time. And so just to be in the room with him is amazing, but for him to believe in me as an artist and to, to sign me and to offer me my record deal, you know, is such an amazing thing. And, and something that I will always remember and, and, and just always cherish very much because it's not very often that you get to only meet and get to know and work with your heroes, but also just they actually live up to the expectations of who you thought they were going to be because he is genuinely just as great as he seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then obviously you just mentioned, so you went on tour with, with Tanya Tucker. You got to mm-hmm. open for such a legend. Oh my obviously gosh, yeah. it would have catapulted your career in more ways because you were on that platform but just in a sense of learning what was it like 
watching her and learning from her kind of day to day um, on tour? I mean, I grew up listening to her on a weekly basis. Growing up, there was this country uh, radio station called Solid Country Gold, and it played every Saturday night. And it was just old school classic country, which is my favorite. And I mean, almost every other song would be a Tanya Tucker song. So and that was my first tour after signing my record deal, which was so cool because she had just put out this huge comeback record for her that like I think literally the first tour date we had was in Dallas, Texas, and they announced all the Grammy nominations and she was like nominated in every country category. And it was such an amazing moment and time to be on tour with her and watching her because she's been doing this since I want to say like the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so she's had so much experience and just changes in the genre and decades and all of this stuff. So just watching her on a stage every single night, even because I I saw her some nights and she would be sick and walk out on stage and still come out there and just crush it and just be such a pro and always have the crowd in the palm of her hand. And to me, that is just what you want out of an artist's career. You want to, for decades, people to still come out and want to hear you sing new songs and old songs and some of your favorite cover songs, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so that was just such a cool moment for me to just be on tour with a hero of mine. I've been really blessed, honestly, to be able to work with so many heroes. And I feel like, again, that's something that you don't get to do very often. And Mm -hmm. these last couple of years is something I've gotten to do quite a bit. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Is there any um, advice that she gave you that kind of sticks with you or anything she said that you will carry with you kind of going forward? Honestly, it's so she stayed on her bus quite a bit, to be honest. And we're we're in a band typically, so we're always like the last ones <laughs> into the venue and also the first ones to leave because uh, we have a lot more driving than they have to do. And uh, so I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with her. But I just remember the the first time that I did get to meet her, we were in St. Louis. And I had also we were on tour and got there a night earlier in the night before I got to meet my songwriting hero, Chris Christopherson, because they were playing the venue the night before. So that was a really cool couple of days for me but I just remember how kind she was and just she was like she she didn't realize who I was when I first walked in to take the photo with her because she hadn't she's always on her bus and so she was just like gosh well thanks so much for getting warmed up for me every night like they're always so warm and so she just had this kind of nice kindred spirit about her that I just thought was really cool and and uh yeah but I didn't get to talk to her too too much but I did Mm -hmm. get to see almost every show that she played and that was that was enough for me yeah and I think it really speaks to your music as well because obviously as you said you she's been around for for decades and mm-hmm. so and in, in a generational sense the people that are watching her shows maybe aren't necessarily the kind of people that would come out and watch your shows but did you feel like you had a really good response and obviously you said people were singing along was it a good atmosphere I mean her fans are truly the best and I think there was I can count on one hand the negative experiences with fans that I had there. And it was always one person that was really drunk and just wanted to hear Delta Dawn by Tanya Tucker. So that was all they were there for. And honestly, the funny thing is every time that happened, they got kicked out and didn't even get to see her show. So it was, it was the best. Her fans were amazing. And they would come up to me after the show and just say how, you know, how much they enjoyed my show. And, and like you said, they probably wouldn't have bought a ticket to come to an Alex Hall show at that point, because one, they didn't know who I was. And two, it's very quite different sounds of of music. Mm -hmm. But to me, that is the beauty of the country music genre is 
you know, you can be very traditional country or on the popular side of country or whatever it is, or kind of in the middle of the two, which I feel like my stuff kind of lends itself towards and, mm. and still be able to have, you know, people appreciate the music and enjoy the concert. And that is why I love country music so much because we have the best fans of any genre, I believe. Yeah, definitely. I will back you up there 100%. <laughs> um, so kind of after going after this talk, Back last year, um, obviously a big year because of Six Strings, which we'll talk about, but beginning of the year, you released Whiskey on the Table, another single. Uh -huh. um, what was that like? Because you kind of released that really on the edge of the whole pandemic situation. Yeah. Were you expecting to kind of be able to go out and play shows and, and was it going to be this kind of big single experience? And then what happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so basically, just in a brief nutshell, I guess, it was March sometime i was on an airplane to come to the uk to play mm -hmm. c to c and the borders got shut down while i was in the air and i was connecting in washington dc and then hopping over the 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 pond and uh and we got grounded in dc luckily before i could make it there and we got mm -hmm. turned around and so you know everyone kind of was like thinking it was going to be just a few weeks or a month and so we put whiskey on the table out. I think it was like the first, like really, like you said, like right at the beginning of the whole thing happening, thinking mm -hmm. the world was going to open again. And, uh, and it clearly has not. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting because I feel like luckily that song still did really well. People still mm -hmm. really loved it. And, and I, I've gotten to play it a little bit, not really, you know, live with a band or anything yet, but it was a weird time because no one really knew how to promote music yet at the time because it was still very early on in the whole pandemic thing and so right around that same time is when we came up with the idea for six strings but you know i think that that song still did great it's still one of my my favorites and um mm -hmm. i know people are going to really enjoy it whenever we get out on the road but uh it was just an interesting time to release a mm -hmm. song and I, I don't regret it i think it still did its purpose and served the thing but uh i'm excited to play it eventually on the road sometime yeah it, yeah definitely and so let, let's get to it then let's get to six strings so you were going to release an album mm -hmm. what changed to firstly make it an ep and then secondly i'm so intrigued as to how it became the collaboration project that it is yeah so we like i said when i signed my record deal in 2019 uh we went into the studio not long after and recorded the first five songs that were going to be my debut album which were mm -hmm. none of the songs on six strings mm -hmm. and i don't even actually think most of them were written except never seen the world and uh and so we released whiskey on the table and half past you out of that that recording batch and uh and then the pandemic happened and and we hadn't recorded anymore really even thought anymore about the record and uh and so we were kind of my label and I and my manager were on a Zoom call and we're brainstorming like, what can we do through this time period of the week? We're not touring. We're not going to be going to country radio yet. Like, what are we going to do? And so we came up with this idea to make a guitar focused EP project around really it, before features even came into play. It was all just supposed to be a guitar focused EP for, for me and uh, called Six Strings with Six Songs. And it was going to be kind of a stripped ideal of of recording and uh and so then we were like well everyone's kind of home right now so what if we got some of my friends and heroes that are guitar players to come and collaborate with me on this on this album and i was like that's pretty cool like who who, who do you guys have in mind i had a few ideas and 
And so the first name that came out was Tennille Towns with Heart Shut because mm -hmm. we were dear friends and we had written that song back a year prior. And that like a month before that, we had just played that song together at her Bluebird show for her EP release. And it was just this magical moment with just the two of us and our two guitars and this really cool thing. And so that kind of honestly sparked a lot of the way we recorded the whole record was that night at the Bluebird and that song. And so Tennille was the very first person that we were like, hey, would you be interested in doing this and, and putting the song out? And so we went from there to Vince Gill and a few other of the names and and everyone that we asked for the record said yes. And they, they were all amazing. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And so that's really, it, it was just a, a, an idea just because we couldn't do anything else. And, and I kind of had put a pause on making my full record. And so we were like, well, let's just do something completely different then. And it, the purpose wasn't like, let's make a record to go to radio or let's make it for this. Like the label was amazing and just letting me make the record that I wanted to make just for the sole purpose of let's make a guitar focused record. And so six strings came about because it was six strings on a guitar, six songs and six features. And, uh, and that's kind of the whole story behind it. And so we went in and recorded it and a few of the features had to do it at their own house, but, uh, but half of them came into the studio and did them with us. And, and I think it turned out pretty cool. And um, people seem to be, be responding to it well, which I'm thankful about. Because you never know how people are going to perceive mm -hmm. your, your debut EP. It's like you, you hope everyone loves it, but you don't know. And so far, everyone seems to be really, really enjoying it. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. It's, it has a great response. And it is so great. I When I kind of was hearing that you were releasing an EP, I was shocked that it was your debut EP because for me, I feel like you've kind of been around for a few few years in a good in a good sense. Yeah. And um, obviously, it being debut, and you think collaborations project, these names aren't kind of you don't know who they are names. They are <laughs> big names, you know. Yeah. The likes of, as you said, Vince Gill and Brad Paisley. How did you kind of reach out? Was it you personally or did you kind of go through the motions to to get them? Because it's obviously such an honor to have their names and they must yeah. think highly of you to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's I can't believe that they said yes still. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> insane. Uh, but it was I would say, again, kind of half and half. Like Tennille was a friend of mine and Cassie's a friend of mine. And um, and I think I, I my manager reached out to John, but John Osborne's tj and john are really good friends of mine too so mm -hmm. the but the so the three of them i i knew and it was pretty certain we would be able to get that to happen but vince uh, uh the label reached out to because they they knew him well and and he instantly was like this is awesome i love the song i'd love to be a part of it which was so cool and um i want to say the label reached out to brad paisley as well and that was more of like a a team effort mm -hmm. on both ends and all of that and then Shane McNally uh, works and produces Old Dominion. And so that was honestly the song with Other Than The Phone that we, I couldn't quite figure out who was the right person to be on that song. And because mm -hmm. uh, it's such a funky kind of fun thing. And honestly, it's not that I didn't even think about Brad Tercy. I just, I just didn't think about putting Old Dominion on there. And Shane called me and he was like, hey man, what do you, do you mind if I, uh, reach out to Brad Tercy to see if he would want to play guitar on other than the phone. And I, it's funny cause I think he had already actually asked Brad before <laughs> he asked me, but I instantly was like, that's amazing. I didn't think about him. And I'm such a fan of those guys. I love their records. And, uh, and, and Brad was amazing and came in and took the song to a whole nother level. And 
so it was kind of a 50 50 split of you know my team reaching out to some and i reached out to some others and mm-hmm. and everyone came in and uh and and just made the record even better than it ever would have been without all of them on there and uh and so yeah it's pretty cool yeah cool i i really want to talk about it kind of song by song if we can if yeah. we've got time and um, we'll, we'll start with other end of the phone as you said it was kind of the song that started it all and i love what you just said about brad about how it's kind of a funky vibe because i think if you've ever seen old dominion play <clears throat> you know if you listen to their record you don't necessarily hear brad but he is such a presence on stage and he really kind of gets into it yeah so for me that fit seems so well recording that song obviously it's been out for a few been in your kind of collection for a few years Um, started everything why was now the right time to kind of eventually get it out i mean honestly so a little backstory behind that song is is basically i wrote that with pete good and aj babcock who i make my records with and we started that song it was the last song we all wrote at the end of 2018 and uh we finished it in january of 2019 and pete uh sent it to shane and shane legend has it shane calls pete like before he even finished the first chorus and was like who's this guy like does he have a record deal blah 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 and uh and so we sent him a few more songs and a few months later i was at the office at monument and sitting down with him and katie mccartney and jason owens and uh i played it for him live acoustic and um and they signed me on the spot, gave me a record deal right there. And so we recorded that song on the first batch, uh, had already recorded the demo twice, and then uh, had it mixed like three different times. I mean, this song has just had this crazy journey of like almost there. It was almost mm-hmm. right. It was almost out. All of the things. And then it's such a guitar. It had. There's more guitar tracks actually on that song than any other song on the whole Six Strings record. There's like... I think maybe five to six guitar parts going on. And um, and so it made sense to put it on this record because it is a guitar-focused EP. Mm-hmm. And so when we went into the features again, when Shane brought up the idea to have Brad Tercy on it, I just, I, like you said, I thought it was the perfect fit because I've seen him live and he has such a strong presence. And, and clearly that's him playing all the guitars and stuff on the records and stuff. And he's such a fantastic player and, and such a unique player. And that was the thing with the whole record is every single song I wanted every artist that was featured to have their artistic thumbprint as a guitar player on every song. So like, you know, Brad Paisley leaned more towards the last one to leave stuff and stuff like that. And so that was a goal that I really wanted to have. And I, and I think Brad just absolutely crushed it. And, and I'm so glad that the song did have this journey of almost making it because it makes it so much more special that it was able to be a part of this record instead of something where it might not have been the right fit you know mm-hmm. and so um so I'm, I'm really happy the way that it turned out finally <laughs> yeah it's definitely i'm i'm gonna say it i shouldn't but i think it's my favorite of the, of the no EP. way that's i awesome. i i shouldn't say it but i think it is oh, you should say <laughs> i it. do love favorite, it all it. but when i heard it i remember being like oh my god this is so good and like repeating <laughs> it again that's for so listening. Awesome. yeah so um you. so kind of in a transition because i think it's that's such kind of a groovy vibe you know i can't I, it's going to be such a good one to play live and then the second track with tenille hartshire is just one of those classic country duets which is kind of all heart and soul yeah. that you as you said you wrote it with tenille a while ago and, and played it last year quite a full circle um, moment playing that again at the bluebird i can imagine this year oh man yeah so what's the story and it was almost exactly a year 
I think we were like one day off from being exactly one year from when we played it at her release night, which is wow. so crazy. And we didn't plan that at all. It was mm. just, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And what's the story? How did that song come about um, in, a, in a writing session, you know, to write kind yeah. of such a classic duet? So um, basically, quick backstory behind Tanil and I, uh, she had released a song as a single, it's on a record now, but called I Kept the Roses. And I still, it's probably still my favorite Tennille Town song. And, uh, and I just posted it on my Instagram story and um, she responded to it and was like, oh my gosh, thank you. I'm such a big fan of yours. And that was kind of it. <laughs> and I was like, thanks, uh, that's cool, whatever. And then not long after that, we were down in Key West for, they do this big songwriters festival down in Key West every year. And uh, we were walking into the same show by happenstance and uh, and crossed paths and and just hit it off and talked about writing and everything and about a month later we were we were booked to write a song uh, with Pete and AJ and uh, and I had this idea for a song called Heart Shut and I knew I wanted to write a duet with Tanil because I was like I'm such a fan of hers and the way she writes and her voice and all of that stuff and so when we got into the room we uh, the three of us had already kind of sussed out the idea because we really wanted to make sure we nailed it you know and and uh and she loved the idea and we wrote it and you know we we write so many songs and i was in the place where i was writing for my record and we weren't going to cut a duet yet for the first part of what my record was going to be and so the song kind of just lived in in demo land for a little while mm -hmm. and so then you know like i said fast forward to that next february of 2020 we decided we'd play it at, for her release night for the first time and it was just this really cool moment and uh, and, and that's really the story behind the song is, is it was just an idea that we had. And, and I thought it was such a cool, I had never really heard a song written in that way of like, it's hard to keep my heart shut. And, uh, and I'm such a fan of, again, of classic country songs. And I feel like those classic Tim and Faith, Kenny and Dolly type duets don't really happen quite so often anymore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, and it's, it's the only true duet on the whole EP as well. And so, you know, I think it's such a special moment and such a really cool song. And, and I think it shows a different side of me as an artist, but also shows Tennille off as a guitar player because she's such a fantastic musician and, and artist and all of the things. And, uh, and so she, you know, she's playing her open string tuning guitar that she always does on the record. And, and it's really cool. And, uh, and it seems to be a lot of people's favorite off the EP, which is really fun and, and exciting. And, and it's one of my, my favorites to sing and stuff too. So I'm, I'm happy that it's finally out. Yeah, definitely seems like a fan favorite kind of on the, on socials and things, a lot of love for it. And I loved yeah. what you did with your Instagram uh, TV, with your kind of covers of classic country songs <laughs> with Tennille. What was, yeah. is she just kind of one of them people that can play anything and can sing anything? Cause you, you both sound so good together. Well, thank you. I, I, you know, I, I think that it's a rare thing that you have such a chemistry with with another artist, because uh, I feel like as a true artist, it's hard to sing with other people sometimes because you have such a, you know, such a unique thing. And, and for some reason, the two of our voices just blend so well together and we write so well together. We've written so many songs at this point, and I'm, I'm sure many of them will honestly wind up on my record. And and uh, she's so talented in everything that she does, but she's also such a perfectionist and, and I am as well. And I feel like that's also a huge part of why we work so well together. And, uh, and we've jokingly, but also seriously talked about maybe someday making an actual duet album with just the two of us. So we'll, we'll see if we get to do that one day. Yeah. But I, uh, she's my 
one of my favorite people to work with and, and sing with and those covers and stuff that we did. I, we had such a blast doing all of those. And uh, she's, she's such a, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm just yeah. a fan. <laughs> yeah, she's great. I look forward to hopefully hearing an album. <laughs> um, <laughs> or too. if not, just some more writing collaborations. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one of the songs, Jealous Love, we you kind of briefly mentioned it earlier about how this was going to be so fun on tour um, yeah. and to play. And it is. I cannot wait to hear this this whole EP, but this song live um, with John Osborne, who, again, is one of them people who has such a presence on stage. And oh, my gosh. In records, you know, you hear when it's him. What was that like, the story of that song? Yeah, so just the backstory of writing it, I wrote that with AJ Babcock, just the two of us. And uh, I, we went in that day and I was actually, I found the little voice memo that I had when we were writing it because we, a lot of times, unless I have a really strong idea, I'll either come up with a guitar part or just start singing. And, and that one was one where I, I came up with the guitar part and uh, and I wanted to write something really fast and, and write a live, a song for live show. And so that I think it's like 130 beats per minute, so it's really fast. And uh, and I just started mumbling the verse and singing it, and we kind of just wrote the whole thing as it goes. And uh, and we wrote it fairly quickly. And and again, it was one of those where everyone was like, "This is such a cool song," and it made so much sense to put on uh, on six strings because it is such a guitar heavy song. Mm -hmm. And instantly, when we started talking about six strings, I knew I wanted to have John Osborne play guitar on it because. I've been a fan of Brothers Osborne before I even moved to town. I was such, they're just such a great band. And I've been fortunate enough to see them live a few times and stuff too. And, and now become friends with both of those guys. And so, like you said, John has such a huge energy uh, just in a presence of, of a guitar player. And he's mm -hmm. one of those guys who genuinely can play anything in exceptionally well. And uh, And so that was actually the only track I think where once we got his parts done and sent back to us and stuff, I actually had to go back in and replay some of mine because I was like, gosh, his, just, his are just better. <laughs> so, I, so I like went back and replayed some of my stuff to like set up the bar a little bit higher, which was amazing because it was like, if you're gonna ask him to come up here and he kicks my ass, you know, on the guitar, I have to step my game up a little bit too. And so that's, that was also the whole beauty of this whole record is I feel like it made me a better not only just musician, but a better artist and, uh, and kind of made me step my bar up to, if I want to be a contender with these guys, like I need to be just as good, you know? And so, uh, I'm not saying that I am yet, but I'm working, for <laughs> but, but this is, this is definitely one that I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, to play live because I, I know that it's just going to be a blast. Yeah, it's definitely. And I think, you know, that moment where you and John play it together, when it happens is going to be such an iconic moment um, oh my gosh is is this the one that you're kind of most excited to play live i think so yeah this one and uh and last one to leave i because those are the two biggest guitar heavy songs off the mm -hmm. whole record you know that are really guitar solo type songs and uh and that's my favorite part about playing live i, I could i love singing obviously that's what i said earlier that's why i started music but when I get an electric guitar in my hand and I'm on a stage, I can just play guitar solos for hours. It's my favorite part of the show. And so uh, so those are the two that I'm, I'm really excited about. But Jealous Love is, again, it's so fast. And so I think when you get out to a show and you get people clapping and get the heartbeats pumping and everything, I just think that the energy of that is just going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be great. And then 
kind of going back on that classic country I was talking about this is what I love <laughs> about the EP is because it kind of goes back and forth but it works so well um never seen the world which is such kind of emotional song anyway uh -huh. and then you get possibly the most emotional country singer ever <laughs> whose yeah. voice brings me to tears Vince Gill on it <laughs> um I mean... the story of that song must be a good one <laughs> Yeah, so again, like I was talking about my songwriting, sometimes I have an idea and a story and sometimes I don't and I just kind of write that way. But this was one where I did have a purpose and a story I wanted to write. And uh, the song I wrote actually a few years ago and um, and I wrote it about those first few trips back home to Georgia from from Tennessee with my girlfriend that's now my wife. And uh, and she grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, in the city here. And I grew up on a small horse farm on the outskirts of, of Gainesville, Georgia, and uh, very different upbringings and lifestyles. And so, you know, the older I got and the more I came to Nashville and the more that I traveled, the, the more that I felt out of love with where I grew up. And, and it, it wasn't anything personal to my hometown or anything. It just I knew that I wanted to I, I needed to get out of there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I moved and I kind of fell out of touch with it. And then when we started going back home to Georgia, Bree and I, and she fell in love with that lifestyle of the country and the, and the horses and all that kind of stuff. And, and I re-fell in love with it through her and the way that she, because it was all brand new to her and it was something that I was just so used to. And so I thought that was such a beautiful thing and I'm so thankful for it because I think, again, it kind of brought me back around to who I, who I am and how I grew up and my, my roots and everything. And, and I think that you hear that in my music and today because I did get to leave and experience a lot of stuff, but now I feel like I've gotten to go back and fall back in love with that. And so I wanted to write this song about that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's never seen the world. And um, when we went in to, to record this song, this was the one that I, I didn't actually pick this song to put on the record. I think it was my, my manager and Pete and AJ were the ones that really fought for it because I, I don't think of this being technically like a guitar song. Mm -hmm. It's like a songwriter song, but if you listen to the track, it's it's drums, bass, my acoustic guitar, and Vince on electric guitar, and that's it. That's the music. And there's something so special about that and the record that I think the other songs don't quite have. And uh, and I'm so thankful that we ended up doing it because, like you said, Vince graciously enough said yes to be on here. Somehow, I don't know how we got him to say yes, <laughs> but uh, he did. And his he just has this subtleness of saying so much with so little, whether that's with his singing or his guitar playing. And he came on and just took this song to a whole nother level. And I remember this was the first track we got back and Pete and AJ and I were in the studio, just the three of us when we got the files back from him. And we were all just crying. Like it was just this crazy moment of like, how how did this happen? And, and like, what did we do to deserve this? Because it's just, he's Vince Gill. I mean, he's, he's an idol. <laughs> and uh, and so it, it, this is probably maybe the most special song to me on the whole EP because again the song's so personal and and it was kind of the song that I didn't think about recording honestly and and I'm so glad that I did because I think again it's became a fan favorite and one of my favorites and it gave me the opportunity to have a song with my hero Vince Gill which is just so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then from one hero to another, moving along. <laughs> 
Paisley, <laughs> Brad Paisley as well. And, uh, you know, I think Vince is one of them people who's known for his voice, but Brad is, uh -huh. is one of them known for him and his guitar. So that Absolutely. must have been really cool to have him have him on Last One to Leave. And as you said, you're really looking forward to seeing that one live. Um, yep. What was that like having him? Because it's so iconic. And what you were saying about kind of matching up to these people, I'm assuming he's one of them that's almost quite intimidating to play alongside. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so what I, was I that mean, like? Truly, he truly is. I mean, because like you said, he is. I mean, that's I've said it so many times in the interviews I've had to do for the for the record. It's. When you think of Brad Paisley, to me, you think of guitar and country music and you think of like he has such a, a passion for traditional country music, but he's also made a career of making the guitar front and center in all of his songs, which is something that's not necessarily the most popular thing to do. Mm -hmm. And he's made a career like a couple of decades now of a career of just having hit after hit after hit with the guitar. And so when we re recorded this song, I thought it was so perfect because it does have that kind of classic country feel meets modern country music. And to me, again, that is Brad Paisley. Mm -hmm. And so I, on the whole record, I'd already recorded all of my guitars, all of my vocals and everything. And then the feature would come on and do their part. And, uh, and Brad, he came back and he had muted all of my electric guitars <laughs> and just replayed everything. And I was just, I remember sitting there just like, oh my, I don't know how, to, I don't, I, it was the trickiest one because he played so much good stuff mm -hmm. that I was just like, I don't want to get rid of this, but I also have to play guitar here too. Mm -hmm. And so we found little things to do and little ways to move it and stuff. And it turned out so cool. I mean, it's such a cool song. And, mm -hmm. and I just think the, also the statement of the song is like, he'll be the last one to leave you. And I'm, I, you know, I'll be the, 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 last, the last one that's going to stay and uh and i think that's such a cool sentiment of a song and it's just so strong and powerful and and i think we did such a great job between the two of us of matching such a kind of a a strong title and and, and the words with that sound in the guitars mm -hmm. and it's just there's so much soul to me in in the whole song and and uh and i really love it and to be able to play guitar and and have brad paisley singing on a song again like vince gill is just something that i i still don't quite understand but uh <laughs> it's it's amazing it's so cool and and uh and i i'm i'm really really excited to go play all of these live and and again mm -hmm. that one and jealous love are the two to me that i think are just going to be really cool moments in the show yeah and uh and i can't wait to do it yeah, I, I can't wait to hear. I'm, I'm really excited for when this allows us to be able to hear these songs live. Um, and then obviously talking a lot about people playing guitar and it being a very guitar heavy EP, Cassie Ashton sings with you and runs in the family and she mm -hmm. doesn't play guitar, right? In On the track? She does not. She, so yeah. I, obviously she is an incredible artist and singer and songwriter, uh -huh. but she must be extra, extra special to... For you to have her on a guitar-led EP, not playing guitar, what? Yeah, that song broke my heart the first time I heard it. Uh, so, what was that like having her on it? Because I know you two are great friends as well. We're best friends, and uh, her boyfriend is actually my my publisher and my best friend. Uh, he was the best man in my wedding before we had to elope. He was going to be my <laughs> best friend in our wedding and our best man. And so we're very, very dear friends. And um, when I got my record deal in 2019. We had a few months to write for the record. 
that we were really, really riding a lot. And Cassie and I had known each other for a few years already. And again, been really dear friends. And, and so we had never written together though. And, uh, and so we went in to write with Pete and AJ and I was going through some family stuff back home in Georgia and some personal stuff. And uh, my career was at like an all time high for me. And my personal life just felt like it was kind of crumbling at the same time. And, uh, and Cassie was going through some equal stuff on her own end. And so when we went in to write that day, Cassie was like, look, I know this is going to be hard, but I'm going to really push you to write the, what you're going through right now. And cause like, I need to do that and you need to do that and get it out of us. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's, we can, we can do this. And so I had the little guitar part kind of strumming it and stuff. And Pete had this idea that uh, he had had for years and just never written called runs in the family. And it was the perfect, I mean, I, I just got chills talking about it because it's such a surreal moment. And that's the beauty of being a songwriter. I feel mm -hmm. like is those moments when you're in the room and just it's magic. And, uh, and it's like, you have to be open to catching these ideas. And, uh, and every once in a while you get those really good moments. And that was one of them. And, and we were, it was, it's still, probably you said it, you know, it broke your heart when you, when you first heard it. And it's one of those that breaks my heart every time I have to sing it because it's such a personal song to me, but it, I know that it's such a, a special song that needs to be out in the world. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's a tough one for me to sing and, and talk about, but it's still one that I think is necessary. And, um, it's just a part of who I am and it's a little bit of my story and, and everything. And so when we were making six strings, uh, everyone wanted to, to wrap it up with runs in the family. And mm -hmm. uh, it was just a great last kind of ribbon on the, on the whole project. And, and uh, we went through a few different people in, in my head and in my, on my list of who could potentially play guitar on it. And I, I just, it didn't seem right because the mm -hmm. song again is so personal to me. And I just think having somebody else come on that didn't know what I was going through and I wasn't comfortable sharing with, it just seems like it would do a disjustice to the song. And so I, I went to my manager, my manager in the label and I was like, look, I know Cassie's not a guitar player, but I don't think that there is anyone else that I know that knows how to use their voice as an instrument like Cassie does. And so if we're going to make an exception, it's going to be on this song and it's going to be for Cassie. And, uh, and they loved the idea and didn't fight me one bit on it. And, and, uh, and so Cassie came in and did it and just absolutely crushed it. And, uh, and it's such a special song and I couldn't imagine the record without it because it is different than every other song on a Holy P. Mm -hmm. And, um, just one for the fact of that it sounds different. The song is different, but also cause Cassie is not a guitar player. And, uh, and so I think it's such a special moment and uh, I'm really proud of the song. Again, it's a really hard song for me, but, uh, but nonetheless, I'm really proud of it and I love it. And, um, and I'm, I'm happy with the way that it turned out. Yeah. And I think some of the greatest songs are hard songs. And I, I love that it really does kind of wrap the album up so well, being that kind of last track. And I, I'm really glad you decided to record it and put it on there because <laughs> it, it works so well. Um, and again, obviously going to be one of the moments hard to sing on tour, but I'm sure it will it will pay off. <laughs> oh, well, I hope so. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I agree. Some of the some of my favorite songs ever are those like really sad, heart wrenching kind of songs. But it's different. It's the first time I feel like for me where I, I've, it was my song, you know, mm -hmm. that I was having to deal with instead of someone else's. So it's it's an interesting, an interesting thing to kind of digest. But uh, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm really happy that it's out.
yeah me too um so that is that is the ep i'm so excited for where it's going to go because i'm sure it's going to do really well and as i said i can't wait for you to be able to kind of go out on tour and sing it and i can't wait to hear it live um someday hopefully in the not too distant Gosh, future hopefully Let's soon hope yes touch wood <laughs> um we're gonna wrap things up i know you're gonna you're gonna sing us a song and play us out um but i do have three questions that i ask right. everyone at interview they are all threes um quick fire so firstly could you could you name three songs um that you wish you'd have written I'm sure there are way more than three, but uh, Springsteen by Eric Church, um, Between Me and You, Brandon Flowers from The Killers, yeah, um, and it's one of my favorites, uh, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain by Willie Nelson. Nice, they were quick fire. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then three albums that you couldn't live without. Oh gosh. Uh, Man, that's a that's a tricky one. <laughs> Three albums I couldn't live without. I would say, hmm, grab yeah, not Gravity. Continuum by John Mayer probably because that's I mean that record changed everything for me as a guitar player and a songwriter. Mm -hmm. Um, man, that's a really hard question. Uh, jeez. I don't know. I, I haven't ever thought about that. Three albums I couldn't live without. Honestly, uh, I feel like Redheaded Stranger by Willie Nelson that is probably whenever I'm struggling with being like coming up with something as a songwriter, I go back and listen to that record because I think it's such a brilliant album. So I'll say that one. Um, and then maybe Only by the Night Kings of Leon. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. And I, I'm that way gonna... I have a little, I've got a variety of what I can listen to. If I'm stuck on an island for the rest of my life, I at least can change it up mm -hmm. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to throw in an additional question as well, which might be even harder. Okay. Purely as someone who also uh, holds Continuum as one of the three albums she can't live without, what's your favorite song on, on the record? Ooh, man. That's tricky. Mm. <laughs> it's hard because like slow dancing in a burning room and gravity were the first two songs that got me into john mayer so mm -hmm. those are two that i really really love but i love the way that i can't i don't trust myself with loving you feels i just mm -hmm. love that i could like i actually just for fun play it all the time just for the heck of it mm -hmm. so but then there's vultures. I don't know. Ah, oh, that's impossible. I would say if I had to pick um, one yeah, song. Yeah, stick with I don't trust myself. Yeah, I think that, that's, that's mine. Yours. Yeah, that's, I was right, waiting. We'll go with that then. I was like, let's go. <laughs> we'll we'll stick with that one. You know, especially that, uh, like the, yeah. live, the live in LA from the Nokia theater version. Mm -hmm. of, that's That whole record's actually where how I learned to play like lead guitar. I just nice. studied it. And uh, that version of it specifically would be the one that I would choose. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and then final question. Uh, three artists or writers that you you haven't yet worked with that are kind of bucket mm. list people you want to work with um i would say john mayer honestly uh i would love to uh i think it would just be cool to to work with ryan tedder from one republic mm. i'm a huge fan of those the, the, their music um and i think he's such a brilliant writer mm. um and then 
there's a, and, and I think I probably will write with him sooner than later, but uh, Luke Laird is a writer in town and, and he works with so many people that I, that I work with mm-hmm. and love, but we've never written. And I'm such a fan of him. So I would say Luke Laird. Nice. They are good answers. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to leave, leave the stage to you in just a second, but I, I want to say thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and hearing about all the stories. Um, and as I say, hopefully in the not too distant future, <laughs> um, we'll be able to hear the record live. Um, and I can't wait to hear more, more new music. Um, yes. So thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I guess I'll end it off with a song. Hopefully we will have uh, some music to play live soon. But I'm in the meantime, just going to keep working on new music and uh, see what happens. But I thought I haven't played this one in a a little while, so I thought I would play it. And I don't know how this is going to sound on here, but um, I'm going to play Never Seen the World. Nice. If that's okay with you. Yes, of course. (laughs) All right. Sweet. I've been down this road a thousand times. I've never seen it like this. I haven't seen the sun shine in a while. But I do right now. I can see four miles. Like I never could I don't need to look back Cause it'll never be half as good As it is right now So why don't we just stay a while And waste a little time Listen to the radio And hold each other tight Never seen the world I've never seen the world the way I see it with you. <laughs> There's something in the air. There's something in your touch. You set my heart on fire. Oh, I'm gonna burn up before I get enough. So why don't we just stay a while and waste a little time? Listen to the radio and hold each other tight. I've never seen the world. I've never seen the world. The way I see it with you. Your rose-colored glasses, been in love looking through. You're the moment before it passes that I keep holding on to. So why don't we just stay a while and waste a little time? Listen to the radio and hold each other tight. I've never seen the world. I've never seen the world the way I see it with you. Mm, the way I see it with you. Mm.